Thanks, everyone, for coming out or hanging out for the podcast and set. This week, of course, my guest is Miss Stacy Rumaker. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming out. And we talked briefly outside. And you said you're originally from Jersey. Yes. Right. And you, then you, you had the dream to do stand-up. Oh, yeah. Since that, I was very young. All right. So that takes you to New York, right? So yep. Tell me about it. Um, I did stand up. Uh, well, first, I, uh, I didn't know how to start in stand up at all. I was 22 and I, I had always kept a joke notebook, you know, um, but I, I literally just didn't know how to start. And a few of my friends were taking improv classes at UCB in New York. And I thought to myself, oh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll take an improv class and I bet you I'll meet some stand up comics and, you know, sort of learn the ropes a little bit. And that's exactly what happened. I took, um, you know, level one UCB did uh, just found some other, you know, stand up comics, did some open mics. And then uh, the first time I did stand up, uh, it went really well because I had all of these jokes from years of build up. You know, it's like when you put out an album and it's great, like your first album is so great. And then you go for your second one. You're like, well, that's really all I had. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so prepared a second album. Right. Yeah. Um, so then you, you have to like, oh, I got to write more jokes. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed stand up for a while, but, uh, you get burnt out on it quickly. Right now, uh, how far did you get in UCB New York as far as improv? Level two. Level I, two. I, uh, you know who my teacher was in level two? Paul Shear. That's how long <laughs> ago I took level two. Um, I, I only went through the second level because again, it was to me it was a springboard for stand up, and I was right. pretty well entrenched in stand up by that point. I was I was doing open mics, um, if not every night, close to it, sometimes several uh, in one night. And and that's the thing to be a stand up, you really have to be on the grind. You cannot half ass stand up. You're either all in, or you're not at all. Right. You know, it's not a hobby. This is a hobby. It's improv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> improv can be a hobby, but no, stand up. No, I, yeah. I, I get it. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different craft. Uh, I've, I've always been, you know, I've, I've never w- actually wanted to do stand up just because I don't like the idea of being. I mean, for me, I guess the, the, one of the real pleasures I take from improv is that there's another human being on stage with me to, to share it with. Absolutely. Uh, whereas in stand up, it just, it, it, I've, I've done improv by myself and I hated it. Yeah, it's uh, like masturbation. Yeah, well, well, the thing was, it, I, I hated it because at, 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 the, at the end of the show, it, it, uh, there was no one to share it with. Right. And I was like, oh, God, this is why I don't want to do stand-up, because I, I'm alone. Absolutely. I felt like I, you know, I had some great, I'm a good joke writer, um, but to me, stand-up is really about having that fire inside yourself to want to get it out, to want to share with the audience. Like, I have a very specific point of view that I want to get out and I want to share with you people. But with improv... It's about making up that connection on stage. It's not just about me and the audience. It's about me and the players on stage creating something. And then hopefully the audience feels that too. You know, and that to me is more satisfying than stand-up. So you, but you, so you, you, you're chasing down stand-up in New York. And yeah. you, re- you eventually moved to L.A. Yeah. Uh, and you get back into improv after you're, Two levels at UCB New yeah. York. You, oh, you and then, and then uh, you know, I dabbled in improv in New York. Uh, I actually studied with Armando Diaz uh, for a while, and uh, I did uh, the American Comedy Institute. So I did try improv at other places. It just never I, – I was never good at it in New York. I was too selfish of a person uh, then. Then I needed stand-up. But then 
once I moved out to LA, uh, I signed up at Improv Olympic because I thought, well, let me give improv another shot. Uh, I kind of just didn't have that fire in me to do stand-up just yet. And LA is a scary town to begin with, to start doing stand-up when I, I just didn't know anyone. I, I wasn't mentally ready for that kind of grind yet. Right. So again, signed up at Improv Olympic. Again, improv is my springboard into you know feeling safe, but I made friends. And that that was the biggest deal to me, was just to sort of make friends immediately. And it also, it, you said, it's, it slowed you down out here. Yeah. Iowa West, as far as like you were trying to, it was probably moving a little faster in New York. And when you got out here, the, especially at, at Iowa West, the, the, it slowed down the yeah. play for you. UCB New York back then, I mean, we're talking, you know, Paul Shear, we're talking, you know, Lauren Lapkus. These were the people that you would see on stage and they were so good, so fast, so funny. You felt you had to really be fast and funny. And I think with uh, IO, it taught me to just slow down and uh, why don't you shut up and listen to what your partner has to say and build something together instead of, oh, let me come in with the whole scene already written and you better say what I want you to say and be the character I want you to be. And if you don't get it that I'm trying to make you a grandma, then I don't know what I'm doing up here. (laughs) You know? So, uh, yeah, it definitely taught me to slow down and appreciate improv for art's sake. And you finished IO. Yeah. Right? And now you're going to study... At the Nerdist. Yeah, I just started uh, interning. Are you doing stand-up now again? No. No? I tried to do stand-up once when I was out here. I actually took a class. You know those little booklets you get in the mail from, like, the community (laughs) college that teaches you sewing or how to learn windows? They had a stand-up comedy class. It was $60 for, like, four weeks. And I thought, this is something I can afford. And it'll give me a little... Give me a little kick in the... I just needed a little kick in the ass to do stand-up again. Right. And, you know, I tried it. I wrote some new material. I got up there. We did our little, uh, you know, little recital at the Laugh Factory. And I'm like... I'm like, this just... was a stand-up recital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had several. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing stand-up for a long time. And you always have your little recital after, you know, because I'll... Again, I'll try to take classes and stuff. Like, I had a recital at uh, Caroline's... Uh, it's just really funny. But, yeah, uh, I had my little recital at the Laugh Factory in L.A. And I said, I just... I don't have it in me if to do this anymore. I really don't. A stand-up, I, you have to have that energy and that fire inside you. It just, you know, and to... But now you're doing yeah. a great show, one at least I know of, because you're doing it here. Yeah. Which is, uh, what's that called again? It's the Dick and the Dame. The Dick and the Dame with you and John Conroy. Yes. Right? Uh, talk about that. That sounds like a very interesting show. You know, it is. Um, John Conroy, uh, a brilliant improviser, he approached me with this idea a few years ago. Uh, I'm terrible with dates. I don't remember what year, but it, I, I feel like we've been doing it for at least three years. About. And, um, you know, it's, I want to impro- improvise a noir. Let's, you know, he said, I want to do the show called The Dame and the Dick. And, you know, we'll just make up noir. It'll be LA. It'll, you know, and I said, oh, this is great. Um, only, only one thing. Let's call it The Dick and the Dame. <laughs> and he said, sure, whatever. <laughs> That's a, that's, that's, a, that's a great name. I'm just thinking, yeah. if you're doing the same uh, genre every, every week, yeah. how, how do you keep that fresh? Um, we try not to focus on plot. I think that we really just try to focus on relationship and character, just like, you know, with, with most improv. You really, you know, we don't wind up talking so much about the genre itself. You know, we have little tropes that we use over and over again sometimes like the you know the voiceover or, you know you sort of announce like you know then she walked in blah, blah. but um, I think you keep it fresh by 
um, just being honest by listening. I, I, I just love the idea that it's not because it's a classic uh, sort of game or style to play, do a scene in a, in a noir, and it, ha it has all the tropes, which, I mean, you have to use because you have to honor the genre you're playing. Right. Then the fun, I would imagine, is like, all right, there's the genre, but here's who's fucking doing it. Here are yeah. the characters this week who you don't expect to be in this genre. Absolutely. We have, we have a lot of fun with it, and it's not just playing the dick or the dame. You know, obviously, we have the femme fatale and the detective, but then we have the waiter the you know the the lounge singer the you know we we really color the world with these great little uh you know these characters right. so that's that's the most fun for me playing with you know playing with accents being being able to i love doing characters um you know i do a lot of sketch and so for me the dick and the dame it lets me play grounded it lets me play i i can play the detective but i can also play you know the <laughs> You know, like I've, uh, you know, I think the, one of the most fun I had playing is I was a, a black waitress, and since we're playing in, you know, in the 1940s, John's character flirted with me, and I started laughing, and I was like, "It's the 1940s. I can't date you. It's just like, <laughs> you know, it's just a, you know, we do have a lot of fun with each other, and sometimes we don't. Um, we'll start playing with something and not realize the year that we're supposed to be in, and we'll have a little. John loves to poke fun at me when I mess up. Um, on the year that we're supposed to be like 1940s Los Angeles. So if I say something like, oh, Italian coffee, he'll be like, oh, you got coffee from Italy? And it's like, you jerk. Okay, I forgot that we wouldn't be, you know, <laughs> trading things with Italy during World War II. I forgot they're not on our side. You know, and he, lo oh, he just loves, and, you know, he just loves to needle me on stuff like that. So we, uh, you John know, sounds like a real dick. Oh, he is, is a dick. Um, but, <laughs> but you have that comfort from that comes. Uh, just like with you and Heather, I'm sure you're very comfortable on stage together because you've been playing so long. And it's the same with John and I, where I feel like um, we have that comfort to sort of, you know, rib each other. And it's funny because me and Heather really, if you added it up, it's like prior to that streak we went on at, uh, at, at UCB in the cage match, we'd only done maybe eight months worth of shows together. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, yeah, and, and, and then we didn't play for two years. We just knew each other. Yeah. Uh, and we actually, we, we met probably, geez, 15, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we didn't really know each other until she moved out here. Uh, and that was just, it was, it was, that was a bizarre coincidence, us starting to play together just because it was a, just, I, I, I can only describe it as a rare combination because I didn't see it coming. I don't think she saw it coming. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, we come from completely different places. We're very different, yet on stage our, impulses our instincts seem to be the same yeah it's like a i mean it is sort of like a relationship I improv is a lot like uh you know especially when you have two person i feel like uh you your strengths come together you know sometimes people just fit together in odd ways i sometimes i can improvise with someone and we just don't click you just don't click you know right it's like a relationship that sometimes just doesn't work <laughs> what i love about two person is like as fast i mean because because i'm I did basically the first two-person long form back in Chicago in like the late 90s, I think. Uh, there were other shows that were two-person shows, but they weren't really like, like there was a show called Naked, which was great, that Jimmy Corain and Steph Weir did. That was one, like an hour-long scene. There was another show that was like called The Chris Hogan Show, which was John Lair and Chris Hogan. Uh, but that was more built around the idea of Chris Hogan surrounding, I'm sorry, of John Lair surrounding Chris Hogan, who was a phenomenal monologist, but not so much so the the all-around player uh, but me and Dan Backett all did a, a two-person long form it was like a multiple character multiple scene 
uh, piece. And I, but I remember the idea, part of it was, can you build ensemble of, of two? Because I was on an ensemble called The Family, but that took years, right? And that was yeah. also a rare combination. Uh, well, and you I guys had your problems, right? I mean, it wasn't, you know, the fa- I mean, the family, isn't that kind of notorious for the butting heads? Or oh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we Just like fought. any family. <laughs> I mean, we, we fought only a couple times physically. Uh, and, I, and I'm almost thinking like, oh, did I just did I just say something wrong? Am I am I wrong? That is no, we only fought a few times physically. No, 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 no that, that only happened a couple. <laughs> of times. It, actually, it, it reminded me of a story that just did cracked me up because uh, back then, way back in the day, uh, I think Adam and Pat McCartney and Rick Roman were all living in like a shithole uh, in the city. But I remember a thousand dollars a month. There was too. one night because they used to get drunk and fight each other or whatever. But one night, I guess Adam had kind of roughed up Rick Roman a bit. He was a guy that was on a team called the Victims Family. Prior to the family, he passed, un- sadly. Uh, but I remember the, the story is Rick, like Adam was 6'5", he was heavy, uh, and he had roughed up Rick a bit that night, you know, uh, you know, I'll drink, and then he passes out on the sofa, <laughs> and Rick, in the middle of the night, just comes over, and while he's laying there sleeping, just punches him in the <laughs> face. And it wakes them up. <laughs> but I'm just, like, just the image of that, the, the idea that there's a guy, I'm going to punch a sleeping man. Because this is my opportunity. Uh, so there was sort of that level of insanity, I, I suppose. But it was, the thing is, on stage, it was ensemble. Yeah. We all we came as close to that idea of one mind uh, as we could. But to me, that was, it was hard fought for. And it was, there were six of us. And I thought, can I do it with two? Because it would seem like, just get this one other person on the same page as me, uh, and me on the same page as him, then we can do something. And so me and him actually worked one-on-one for maybe four or six months before we tried it. Uh, I tried to get him just to know everything. I I told him basically everything I could possibly tell someone, uh, and we practiced it. And that was the second time uh, that I really felt like ensemble. It's like, all right, now we do have an ensemble. I I felt the same thing with Heather. I felt like that was an ensemble. Uh, I, I felt ensemble with Brian O'Connell, playing with him, uh, because it's two Overrated. people who are on the same, on the same page. But that, that's what I love about two person. And sometimes, I mean, th- I'm talking about one year, like, like, because I tend to feel a sense every week, like, like you and I will have some sort of ensemble of two, yeah. right? Uh, we d- we barely know each other at all, but we're gonna play and you know listen and do what the other person wants to do, and it's gonna be fun. Uh, Whereas that, that's so much harder to do if like, all right, if, if I was to play with six people I didn't know right now, that would be kind of a clusterfuck. Yeah. It might work or it might not. It, was, it would be fun, but I'm just like, all right, well, none of us know each other. There's a lot of shit going on right now. Uh, but in two person, I think just because you kind of, you get to and you have to do everything. So there's no, there's, there's no standing on the side, not getting in or anything like that. So there, there is a sort of automatic, well, like it or not, for the next 20 minutes, we're an ensemble. Yeah. Um, I forget why I started all that, all, all that talk of ensemble. That's all right, yeah. <coughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea how, how that started, so I don't know where to go next. Oh, you said you were studying at the Nerdist now, or you're just yeah. starting to study at the Nerdist? Yeah, just uh, actually, I just started interning, so I haven't started classes yet. In fact, I, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure I'm going to take classes. I, I just felt this strong need. Um, to just be at a different theater, 
to just be someplace else, to discover something new. Um, you know, we have a theater here. No. Is this you, a theater? <laughs> I thought this was the closet that we're doing the podcast in. This you actually perform here? You actually do a show at oh, this yeah, theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I do. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> this, how, much, how much longer we got? Yeah, <laughs> we have 15 more minutes for you okay. to explain why the fuck you're interning at the Nerdist. Jesus Christ. Uh, Uh, no, I, I, I don't know a lot about the nervous, I, I, about the nerdist. I know I, I had Derek Miller on yeah. and he and I talked about it a little bit. I, I've met Ptolemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I saying that right? No, Ptolemy? it's Ptolemy. It's just Ptolemy. Pato- Ptolemy? Mm-hmm. Is there a P in that? Yeah, it's a silent P. A silent P. Like so it's pneumonia. I've always said Ptolemy. I think, I, I think <laughs> yeah, I've always said Ptolemy. Pato- <laughs> no, Ptolemy. I think I've always said Ptolemy and it's just Ptolemy, right? Yeah. Oh man, I'm a dick. Uh, <laughs> All right, no, but I, I actually, he and I were on a panel uh, for the Hollywood Improv Festival, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought, you know, this, this, this guy's smart. This guy knows his stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've, I imagine they're doing good stuff. I just haven't heard much about it. Yeah, it's a sm- it's really small. It, it's about, I mean, it's pretty similar to the size. It's a 35-seat theater. You know, and they're, you know, same as you guys. They're doing the work, you know. This is a 100-seat theater. Is it? No, it's not. It is, it is for anyone listening. It's huge. And the chandeliers are gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) There's at least three bulbs on each. So what are you looking to, I mean, you're you're there, but you're not sure you want to be there? Is that what you're saying? No, I mean, uh, uh, I might just intern and not take classes. Uh, No, seriously, I just, I felt like I needed um, to check out different theaters. Seriously. And I guess one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I, I haven't taken classes here yet is just because I feel like I already have a foothold here. I do perform here. So I feel mm. like my hand is already we in this pot. We can fix that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to take away my show. <laughs> I'm sorry. You haven't finished the program yet. We're taking away your sh- the show you've been doing for the past year. All right, UCB. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's great. If I, if I was in... I was just coming through now I would probably it would just make sense to try and get a taste or a feel for all the different schools yeah uh, second city is my only second city and groundlings are my only two that I haven't tried out but you know we'll see <laughs> you know let's see how long it takes me to get through all of them <laughs> I'm sure they'd let you intern yeah they're always looking for I'm like the since you're not intern. asking for anything in return yeah. it's like yeah I'm I might want to come work here for a while I, can I just take tickets <laughs> just for the shits and giggles you, you could <laughs> you could just go hang out I could I'm in a weird place right now in my personal life. I'm, I just got laid off from my writing job, and I, I work from home, and I'm just sort of, uh, I don't have a team at I.O. anymore. <coughs> so I just, I feel like uh, I'm just sort of floating in this comedy ether, you know? And uh, so I guess I'm just trying to figure it out, you know? I really, I just want to be a writer, you know? So I'm just trying to write and... and what was your team at I.O.? Uh, Trigger Finger. And how, how long were they together? Uh, two years. We worked, That's we actually good, were a team before we, we weren't one of those teams that they threw together. We actually formed ourselves. We were coached by Dave Hill. And then we, um, we decided just to audition as a DCT team. We com- uh, they call it at IO committing suicide. You either make it or you don't make it as a team. And we happened to make it as a team. And, um, and then not long after that, we auditioned to make it as a main stage team. And then, uh, miraculously we got pulled onto the main stage and did it for a while until uh they just sort of wiped clean all the house teams uh except king 10 they just disbanded them all and we sort of we just decided not to re-audition to not be put on a different team and and so that's sort of just i haven't been over in a while uh what did they i mean when they when they did that what what 
what would they do with all the? I mean, did they I reform mean, teams? Yeah, or? pretty much. I mean, most most of the members of the main stage teams were just put on different teams. You know, you just sort of like shake everybody up, you know, and uh, put them in different. It's sort of like a Taco Bell menu. It's all the same stuff. It's just you know they took the quesadillas and now they're like gordita supremes, you know. You guys know what I'm talking about. A gord- you know, so you take a the gordita same supreme sounds tastier you know, than a quesadilla. Yeah, even exactly. though I know for fact I prefer a quesadilla. Yeah, see, it's weird. It's uh, all marketing, but yeah. So we so Trigger Finger stayed together for a while trying to perform, but it is kind of hard to get seven. Pe- Actually, it was eight people once it ended to get those schedules. People are married now and have babies, so it's it's even harder to get together, even just to play once in a once in a blue moon. At the same time I would say that's a good thing to have under your belt to have been on a team that stayed together for two years. Oh yeah. Right. It's tough. I, I, I've been very lucky in some of the improv teams I've been on. Uh Danger Snack was one of the first teams it was an all female team, not on purpose, just me and three other girls just sort of clicked in level one and Danger Snack? Yeah. I know (laughs) teams are, you know, team names are, but we, we did really, uh, we did some really good work. I was so proud of the work that we did. Um, and I got to go to a lot of improv festivals with them and, um, yeah, I was just really proud of the work we did some really grounded stuff and we stayed together for a while. In fact, we, I mean, we haven't technically broken up. So maybe, you know, maybe we won't I think you just again. did. I think oh, you just broke up from that I just, team. now that I said it. Just, you just said that. I just brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Danger Snack is no more. Danger Snack. Breaking story, Packing Improv Podcast. Don't, no, guys, don't believe him. He's so he said, so Sketch is next, right? Or yeah. Sketch is still, is that Sketch something that's been going on? Or yeah. is it something you're looking to do? Uh, luckily, I was um, one of the head writers for Top Story Weekly, which is a weekly sketch show at Improv Olympic. We focus on topical sketch. Um, yeah, and I started at the very bottom writing sketches, not getting them in. And then all of a sudden, I'd get a sketch in every once in a while. And then I sort of learned how to write sketches. And then I moved my way up to be one of the head writers. Um, and I was in the cast for a while until you know I just got tired of that. But I, lo- I love writing sketch. Um, yeah, just I mean, writing comedy to me, I think, is is eventually where I'll, you know, would like to wind up. I, th- I would, too. <laughs> nice <laughs> job if you can get it. I would like to wind up, yeah, in any job that, that pays me in comedy. What are you doing now? This? Yeah. I'm sitting here talking to you. I like it. And there's a truck pulling up out back with all full of $100 <laughs> bills. Because <laughs> that's where improv leads. Yeah, it um, does. Just ask Mike Myers. <laughs> what? Wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's he's made some good money off Yeah, he's made some good money. <laughs> He didn't make good money doing improv no, sets. No, 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 no. Uh, all right. Uh, Colin Contreras. Does anyone have a, a question? Yes. Um, so when you started doing two props specifically, um, any any thoughts or advice or tricks or things to, to, to build that relationship both offstage and on um, other than just performing so you can get the reps in? Um, but other, you know, I mean, because – Practicing just the two of you, with a coach, without a coach, just in general? Um, John and I have been working without a coach, um, which I, I wouldn't recommend. Uh, <laughs> only only because I think what happens is when you have two people, there's gonna issues are going to come up. Um, and not personal issues, although personal issues do come up with some people. But John, I mean, John and I have the benefit of being very good friends um, offstage. So on stage, it's, it is very friendly and there's a respect there. And I would say that respect is the number one ingredient to do a two-person improv. You, 
you have to have that give and take and no one to lead, no one to follow. Um, but I would recommend, you know, obviously getting that third person, getting that coach to be able to identify problems. Um, you know, it's hard to say to your partner afterwards, oh, I really didn't like it when you did this. And it's just, just hard to hear it, you know? So you don't want resentment to build up between two performers. So I think you really do need that coach to have um, that objectivity. I, I think a, a, a third eye at any level really is, is helpful. I can remember like when me and Dan started playing, because uh, Dan was a student of mine prior to us doing that. And it, when we first started playing, it wasn't quite working, and it took basically someone else. It was Noah Gregoropoulos in Chicago, to sort of to Dan, you know, f from the side, just like you know, stop waiting for miles. Basically, it's like you're you, you have to go, because he was deferring to me back in the day. Uh, because, you know, he's a student; he's up on stage with me, uh, but I didn't, I didn't know how to say that or what it was. But some someone else said he saw it and said like stop waiting for miles, and, and then he just he came out guns blazing, and it, it and it worked. Uh, I think sometimes a third eye is helpful just for any two people when you're doing this it's just, just because there's so much potential insecurity and you know it, it's almost helpful just to have someone else go you know what you're doing all right you're doing fine uh, because you're trying so hard to make it something else or something more that it really helps just to have someone there going you're doing fine you're doing okay thanks thanks I want someone to tell me I did good yeah. tonight <laughs> tell me I'm good tell yeah. me I'm good <laughs> anything else any other questions? You, there in the back. I just pimped the audience. I think that's hysterical. Uh, the audience has raised their hands, so I just pimped the guy in the back. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you, doing improv, do you, I don't know, like what kind of, not traps, but do you, like, the things, stand out that you like want to work on or you know what I mean like after you've been performing for a while the, the things come up are you asking my personal failings in improv what are my personal <laughs> like go to no. formulate your question better before you raise your hand buddy. <laughs> you're the one who pimped him into asking it hey random this person that we asked question. to ask a question clearly raised his hand uh yeah um, I, well, okay, well, let's talk about, I guess, so my goals in improv now, um, are, are always to make a human connection. I always want to, um, strive to sort of connect with the audience and sort of, um, I think Brian O'Connell, I think has the same philosophy. I'm going to mess it up, but it, it's basically to present a slice of humanity that the audience can recognize. And I feel like that's my ultimate goal with improv. Um, my immediate goal is just to uh, listen and then respond to what the scene needs. Um, I used to care very much about making the audience laugh, and I don't anymore. Um, and that's a hard place to get to. It's really hard because silence is deafening. But um, if you really play your cards right and you get that, after all that silence, and you get that, that laugh at the end, it's like, <laughs> I'm, I've never done hard drugs <laughs> But I imagine that morphine feels similar to the wave of laughter you get after a scene has gone incredibly well. Like it's like a, uh, like a drug, <laughs> you know. I and mean, I think you know if you're if you've done this and you've gotten that, it's you know you get. I'm, I got chills just thinking about it, you know. And I think that's why we ultimately do this is to get that wave of recognition, you know. 
So I, I want to, I want to just connect with people. I, I that's all I really want to do, uh, in my improv now. I, I want to make you laugh, but I'd rather make you, what's the word? Uh, it's, you know, I'd rather have that like, yeah, I feel that too, you know? And, you know, that's just as rewarding to me of like, you know, someone coming up to me after a show and saying like, uh, yeah, I felt that way too. Or like my mom was just like that or, it, you know, whatever, something like that. But a it's connection a connection. Laughs. Yeah. Because laughs are easy. Oh, this is going to sound so bitchy. It's so easy for me to make people laugh. It really is. It always has been. I remember when I was a little girl, I went to the nurse's office at school and um, she made me fill out a little questionnaire. And one of them was, what do you like to do? And I said, you know, and I wrote, make people laugh. And she laughed. And I said, see? <laughs> it, you know, it always, it always has been so easy for me. Uh, it's almost like a, a, it's like a trick. So it doesn't get me off anymore to make people laugh easy because I see the falseness behind it, you know? So for me, uh, it needs to go deeper. It ne- you know, again, it's like a drug. So it's like, uh, you know, it's like weed doesn't get me high anymore. Now I need something stronger. So now I, I don't need that quick and easy laugh. I really need that hard laugh at the end of the scene where I feel like I've actually earned it. I didn't use my little tricks or my little, you know, jokes or little winks or smiles to get a little fake laugh out of the audience. Like I want the real thing. All right. <laughs> Any more questions? All right. It was an honest to God question. <laughs> I think a lot of improvisers uh, can relate to the su- the the surprise, the satisfacting uh, satisfactory surprise discovery that you can make in a scene about yourself, or when you suddenly try something that you've never really tried before. You've maybe seen somebody else do that kind of move, but you never thought that that was what kind of player you were. Can you talk a little bit about moments like that that you've had, or anything that stands out where you've been? thrilled or excited to realize that, oh my gosh, this is working really well, uh, or, or just something that came out of left field completely and, and kind of that, that you just continue to follow and push and grow on stage into something really great that you, that you just, afterwards you think about it and you just have that really satisfying. Long fucking question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I think what's, what has, um, when I surprise myself, I think it, the most is by my restraint. Um, because I can be a steamroller. I can really, like I said, it's easy. This is easy for me. Like it just is. You keep saying that and you know, we're about to do a set. I know, <laughs> but no, it, I meant like making people laugh is easy for me. What we're going to do, or what we're about to do is going to be hard, uh, in a way. Cause I'm not going to use my little tricks. Yeah. So but I with think us, it's almost impossible to make people laugh. I'm not so. going to do it. If you I'm, laugh at all, it's a, it's a, it's a, God a huge miracle. accomplishment on our parts. So, uh, no, but I think I surprise myself the most is when I, I can just restrain and not feel the need to get in there, not feel the need to have to, even if I'm against the wall and, and there's two people doing a scene, I'm like, Oh, I could, Oh, I love this scene. I really, it's like, no, they don't need you. You're not needed. And I think that to me is um, the most surprising thing is that when I actually just uh, service the scene instead of uh, making it about what I want, that's when things work the best. And so that's what I've been the most surprised about is uh, doing, uh, you know, less is more. I think what surprises me on stage, and uh, it, it didn't happen for a long time, but when it did start happening, I was like, oh, really? Was when you say something and suddenly it's like, you're not trying to be funny. It's like, well, I don't have anything, so I'll just say what, what occurs to me. I'll just say what I would say right now, and that gets a laugh. 
And you're like, wait a minute, Biden, wait a minute. Don't, it's almost like, don't laugh at that. That was just me saying what occurs to me. Uh, I, wasn't being, I, w I wasn't being funny yet. Uh, it's, it's the lesson that you learn somewhere along the line that you're enough, right? That it's like you actually, how you perceive the world is all you really need on stage. And if you're honest to that, you're going to wind up getting some, some nice laughs. I think the kind of laughs you're describing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, how about me and Stacy do a set? Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for hanging out for the set. Uh, what's going to happen is me and Stacey are going to do about 25 minutes of long-form improvisation for you, and all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all. Nerds. What was, what was Nerds. that? Ner what? Nerds. Nerds. See what Samantha G wore in chemistry today? It's crazy. What was that? What? Samantha G, she wore chemistry today. It's nuts. Remember? <laughs> I don't remember. I was, I was looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> My God, were you like in love with me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Getting up, late for you to be getting home. Mm. 
Thank you. Thank you for agreeing with my present state of consciousness. Where were you? I took a drive. You took a drive all night? I couldn't sleep. So you left? You couldn't sleep, so you left the house, got in the car, and drove? Okay. All right. Nothing else? Okay. 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 I'm, okay. I'm, I guess maybe I guess that's what we do. I guess if, if I wake up, I should get in the car and drive for 10 hours. Hmm? It wasn't ten hours, Henry. Hey, it felt like ten hours. I took a drive down to Malibu. I sat on the sand, I listened to the waves, and I came back. That's it. I smoked a little reefer. <laughs> what? I smoked a little reefer. That's all. That I just is, couldn't sleep. That is supposed to be for medicinal purposes. I couldn't sleep. No. Insomnia mm -hmm. is one of the things on the... Well, you don't drive down to Malibu to smoke the reefer. Have you ever smoked Malibu and reefer? I mean, reefer and Malibu. <laughs> you're look, you're high. Well, it was really good reefer. Do you want some? No, I don't want some. No, I don't want some. I, I don't need drugs to help me sleep. I need a woman laying beside me who I love to help me sleep. Really. No, 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 no. No, 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 it's not cute. You left and drove all night and got high down on the beach and no, 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 you, I'm mad at you.
Why are you sleeping in the car? I couldn't sleep. Does anyone in this family sleep where they're supposed to? <laughs> I Were find you? the car very relaxing, okay? Were you asleep in the car last night? Uh, what's today? Then <laughs> <laughs> last night was Wednesday? Yes! And yeah. I slept in the car. So you were in the car when your mother drove all the way down to Malibu? She Got drove to Malibu? You were in the car! <laughs> <laughs> the car really puts me to sleep ever since I was a little baby. You know this. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I remember having to drive all, uh, all around the neighborhood. <laughs>
that's mine. Hey, Henry! You know, you're being a real child about this, Henry. You know, we could just smoke reefer together. We used to do a lot of things together. Don't bogart it, come on! I have 
have been preparing for this. I have got shit packed and hidden away, what? ready to deal with this, all right? I have been studying it, I knew it was coming, and I am ready for this shit, all right? You've been studying menopause. I have 18 pounds of chocolate in a suitcase in this room. <laughs> Where? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> because I don't want you to eat it all at once. You are kidding. Because if I get fat, you'll be. Alright, no, 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 it's not it. It's not it. It's, it wouldn't be healthy, that's all. It wouldn't be healthy. You know what else isn't healthy? Our marriage! Because I don't like looking at 
years has passed. <laughs> 